On this show, we've spent a lot of time talking about the prolific and the masters. But the world of game music is vast and varied. Sometimes there are unsung heroes who do short bursts of great things and then more or less vanish into the aether. Today we're going to look at one of the more obscure bastions of excellence. Join us as we talk about Yoshitaka Hirota and the insane, wonderful legacy he's left over the last 20 years. Welcome to Music Arcade. Hello everyone, Welcome, I'm everybody. Alright. Yeah, I mean, look, the silence is getting awkward at times, so I'm like, you just did the intro, should I say hello just before you do or something? It's I, very informal, especially since we just the two of us and not three. Yeah, again, unfortunately, Eddie is sick and can't join us today. Uh, yeah. He is better than he was last week. No, he doesn't have COVID. He just isn't in great shape, unfortunately. Uh, hopefully, we'll have him back with us in a couple of weeks. That would be nice to have him for the next episode. It has been lonely here without him. Don't get me I wrong, Ryan. I love working with you, but like... This yeah, is supposed no, to be three same. people, not two. Exactly. And uh, let me just check. All oh, right, that shouldn't be. Oh no! By that time, they will have uh, the virtual fan fest for FF14 will have happened, so we will completely annoy him probably in a couple of weeks. Oh God, we should be perfect have to talk about that, aren't we? Yep. And I gotta be honest, there was another song, once again, Arknights throwing random good music at us. Uh, there was a song for the two-year anniversary that a band called Starset released that's really good, and I kind of wanted to talk about that as well. So, let's add that to the Annoy Eddie pile. There isn't a real Annoy Eddie pile. Is there, there isn't one, oh. but there should be. Yet. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, let's, let's talk, talk about things we're actually about. going to talk about, which may or may not annoy Eddie. So, Yoshitaka Hirota. Yoshitaka Hirota. So, um, some context. As I've said on some of my personal critiques and personal streams in the past, one of my primary influences as a reviewer and a critiquer is an internet pop music reviewer who goes by Todd in the Shadows. And... Once upon a time, he did a one-hit wonder retrospective on You Get What You Give by a band called The New Radicals, which is a band that was an enforced one-hit wonder because after this one massive smash hit, the frontman Greg Alexander just said, well, I'm done, and dissolved the band, and they never did anything again. Um, Alexander went into songwriting, a couple of the band members did their own solo projects, but the band itself was dead and gone. Um... And at the end of it, during a segment he called, Did They Deserve Better? He said, I don't know if they deserved better when Greg Alexander clearly didn't want better, but I as a fan deserve better and more music from them because they were really, really good. That's a pretty cool take, honestly. Yeah. Um, I like that. So when we were talking about a potential composer retrospective, my first thought were kind of, like, I put down a bunch of names of people who probably don't have that much exposure overall. Um, and one of the names that stood out was this one, Yoshitaka Hirota, who primarily... Which I didn't know by name. I'm sorry? Which I didn't know by name. I never proved that 
He deserves some more love. Yeah, he flew so hard under the radar. He did. He was the primary uh, composer for the Shadow Hearts series, alongside at least for the first game, Yasunori Mitsuda of Chrono Trigger fame, among many others. And Taylor's friend, apparently. Yep. Um, but generally speaking, the Shadow Hearts games were Hirota's baby, and and those soundtracks are just absolutely phenomenal at how weird and cool they are. They really are. And in the tw- in the fifteen years since then, he pops up on like one or two songs on various soundtracks every once in a while, but has never had another wide release like that again. Uh, no. Before that. I should mention that uh, most of what I'm going to say goes off the Wikipedia article, so take with caution. Correct. But uh, apparently, so as I've said, he was good friends with one Yasunori Mitsuda. Right. And then unsure about what he was going to do at the age of 20. Uh, Basically, Mitsuda pushed the door open for him to work in Square where he worked as a sound designer on some small unknown indie titles like Final Fantasy VI, Live Alive, Chrono Trigger, Seiken Densetsu Free, and Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, you can tell he's a sound effects guy. Like, yeah. he, he uses a lot of really cool weird instrumentation that guys who do field recording and sound design are like... I will talk about this at length during one of the later segments, but yes... Um, he was originally a sound designer and moved over into composition as many sound designers do, uh, especially in the game field. There's a lot of crossover there. Yeah. Very much so. And then uh, what happened after the Shadow Hearts? He just sort of existed. Like, not nearly as much as he should have been. I would love to know what happened after that. I I, well, I don't know why more people aren't hiring him for full soundtracks. Like, um, Compile Heart seems to like the guy. I see credits for Neptunia and for R No Surge and just some of their weird like side games. And he gets like one or two songs on those, and that's it. And then he was on uh, Saga Scarlet Grace for Square, two songs, and that was it. I know that as a bass player. He works in uh, the cult con- in a band called the uh, Earthbound Papas, which is the band uh, Uematsu founded after the dissolution of the Black Mages. I thought that was Tokyo Pops. Mm, apparently, I mean, I did find tracks with some big bass in them with that name, so it's gotta come from somewhere. How many bands but does Nobuo Natsu fa- have? I thought after Black Mages it was Tokyo Pops and you just gave me a completely different name. And I'm just like, wait, what? Hang on. I don't know. Okay, okay. let's solve this mystery quickly. Uh, let's do that, because now I'm just baffled. Yeah, this is a different... Uh, this is a different band. This is a different band. Okay. So he has two bands after that, because this is... This does not yeah. have the same members as the old Black Mages did. Yeah, it doesn't. If only because Iwata uh, uh, wasn't in the Black Mages, but is in the Earthbound Papas. And 
Tsuyoshi Sakito was in the Black Mages and is not in this. Yeah. Sakito is probably another name we're going to come back to at some point, by the way. Like, I like his work a lot. Very Uematsu esque to the surprise of no one, considering they work together. <laughs> yeah, that makes it. Then again, uh, Hiwata and uh, Mitsuda are pretty tied up, but their styles are pretty different. We can see crossovers here and there, but yeah. they very much go in different directions. That is correct. Uh, and let's go ahead and talk about those directions and just dive into our first song here. Let's do this. So, as I said, Yoshitaka Hirota had a was the primary composer on all three Shadow Hearts games. I don't know if he did Kodelka as well, the like before Shadow Hearts game in that uh, same franchise. He did sound design on Kodelka. Close enough. That I don't think that game had much of a soundtrack, so he basically did do the soundtrack in that case. <laughs> um So he developed a pretty idiosyncratic style very quickly, and I kind of feel like one of the most emblematic of that styles is the Europe battle theme from the second game, uh, Shadow Hearts Covenant, which was called Vicious 1915, because it took place in Europe in 1915 during World War One, which was a very interesting way of going about things. Yeah, you can say that again. Shadow Hearts was weird in many ways. It was really weird, but I kind of loved that it was that weird. Like, when you describe... Um, I mean, for those that don't know about Shadow Hearts and haven't looked it up, uh, the image you conjure about a game that's happening during uh, in Europe during 1915 is not what Shadow Hearts is about. No. No. There is no chance it is. No. <laughs> yeah, if you were expecting... Uh... That's not trench warfare. No, there isn't. There's... That is some... I'd say action RPG weird... There's some definite... Mystical... Yes. Stuff. There's all of that and more. There's a weird dominatrix bad guy, there's bizarre comedy involving a guy who later becomes a butler, there's a gigantic cat and all the innuendo that comes with it. There's a lot. There's a lot. This game is a lot. <laughs> but again, yeah, I kind I, of... As if it wasn't chaotic enough, there comes the soundtrack. Yeah. And, yeah, this soundtrack is some kind of wonderful. Um, in Vicious 1915's case, it starts with this, like, crazy slap bass. And it has, like, these vocalizations in it that aren't really part of the instrumentation, but part of the <gasps> sound design. We just got done talking about that, how he was <gasps> a sound designer. <laughs> also a bass player. Yes, also a bass player. So right out of the gate, we're getting his specialties. And he just rolls with it. Um, there's this to be weird... fair, regarding the bass player part, again in the Wikipedia article, he they mention he is capable of playing a very a variety of other instruments. Most of those I have never heard of. Also, like, what the hell is a, is a saw war or a K 
10. I don't know. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I know some of yeah. these. <laughs> that's, hmm, yes. I know some of these worlds. Yep, that's as far as I got on this one. Okay, cool. Anyway. Yes, yeah, I yeah, no, it's very evident just from the instrumentation and just how like crazy he is playing around with stuff that he is super willing to just play around with weird instruments no one's ever heard of. Which, seeing as he plays a bunch of weird instruments that even I haven't heard of, and I'm a professional audio engineer, yeah, that makes sense. If you got it, flaunt it. Absolutely. Um... Which, again, brings me right back around to why I like this guy so much. He's got a weird, cool, as I mentioned before, fairly idiosyncratic vibe, at least across these three soundtracks, that you can really sink your teeth into if you are a fan of composition. Um, it says his style is largely industrial, and that's true but it's also not at all it's true ish it's true ish he's definitely got some industrial songs we'll be talking about songs later that are definitely not that at all yeah um but yeah i kind of wanted to start with vicious as sort of our baseline this is sort of his this is his style in a nutshell the crazy baseline the sound design the instrumentations good melody but not overwhelming melody. It's not as hummable as certain other um as certain other composers would be, which I think yeah. is fine. I think where he really, really shines is that he throws uh, quotes throws a lot of things together. Yeah. And if it were most of a composer, what you'd get out of that would be noise, but that, that's not noise at all. That's nope. way smoother than that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's and... a real sense of, uh, of melody and basically how, it seems like he's always asking himself, how much can I get away with while still making something sound that good? As... I've mentioned before on this podcast, especially when it comes to Keiichi Okabe's work, I have a sneaking suspicion, uh, sneaking suspicion, I have a sneaking respect for um, any composer that's willing to just throw craziness at a wall and see what sticks. That's pretty much him in a nutshell. Yeah, uh, sometimes it works, a la Keiichi Okabe and the man we're talking about today, Yoshitake Hirota. And sometimes you get Matai Sakuraba going on a progressive tailspin in one of his songs, and that song dies horribly. Yeah. But I'm willing to uh, to have a couple of those tracks that don't land quite as well. Yeah. If it means we can get tracks like this. Correct. Um, and that gives us... Yeah. And give me wild creativity, please. That's what I want out of life. Yes. One of the things about the Shadow Heart system is that it actually, like, plays with Lovecraftian stuff, which means all of your characters have a sanity meter, and if that sanity runs out, they go berserk. And if they go berserk, the battle music actually changes, and that music is probably a lot closer to noise 
then, uh, probably a lot closer to noise than a lot of the mainline yeah. tracks is, but that's deeply deliberate, like it's supposed to be. Exactly. If it wasn't noise, it'd be weird. So... Yeah, it just goes a bit bonkers, and, uh... Which, considering that your characters are the ones going bonkers, that makes sense! Yeah, that echoes things perfectly. It starts a little bit frayed, and lands, uh, more aggressively disorganized. Yep. Uh, that meltdown starts with just... just some flute that doesn't have an apparent rhythm before 10 seconds in where you can start to identify it, and at this point there's already three other instruments that, ha that have been added. Meltdown is just a... Including some sort of deep, very bassy beat that's almost like an alarm and a heartbeat at the same time. Mm-hmm. And really goes well with the Berserk air to it. Most music you feel like in your ear or in your chest. This one, I can feel it in my temples, which is not where I feel music a lot. Yeah, I, I get what you mean there. Yeah. Um, it's just sort of impressive how crazy this song is, and it's not the only one. Like, he does this several times. Um. But at the same time, there must be a point to look at. So, while the instrumentation goes in all directions, the rhythm is extremely consistent. Yeah. Because we have to have these few points of reference. Or else it would be not. Right. And that's towing the line that much, which shows his mastery. Mm. And it's especially impressive, given that this was the first of the Shadow Hearts game. And uh, there's a level of maturity that shows that it was... Uh, wasn't his first work. You cannot reach that kind of uh, sound without having thought and worked a lot on your art. Yeah. But, I mean, like, we're, we're, we're talking about how, like, weird and crazy he can get, and certainly there's no shortage of that. This guy is very good at being weird and crazy. But yeah. What about he's not trying to be weird and crazy? Um, Shadow Hearts 3, From the New World, is exactly what you think it is. It's set in the Americas. It's also set in South America for the second half of the game. And the battle theme from South America called Mauve is kind of incredible because he eschews like almost all of the industrial elements that, you know, Wikipedia credits to him, which makes a lot of sense for mechanized Europe and mechanized China, which is where the bulk of the previous two games take place. This one is way more airy, with lots of bells and the like. Yeah, it's a lot more, well, I mean, for one thing, it's a lot more tribal. It's, it's very inspired yeah. by, you know, Aztec music, especially. 
Um, the drums come in, and these are absolutely tribal drums. Um, they got kind of a marimba thing going on. It's totally yeah. different and right. sounds really cool. And I, I, I compared Hirota to Okabe before, and this is a thing that I think Hirota does way better than Okabe has ever managed to pull off, which is saying something because you know how much I love Kichi Okabe. But um, Okabe isn't very good outside of his comfort zone, I've noticed. He, yes. anytime he does something more normal, it just sort of exists. It's not yeah, really it's very impressive. it's very forgettable when yeah. he goes normal. Hirota doesn't have this problem. Mauve is an extremely normal song by comparison to the rest of the Shadow Hearts trilogy soundtracks. And still sounds great. It still, like, really gets to you. It's still very deeply memorable and very, very, very tightly composed. Yeah. Um. And honestly, the way it has this, um, the tone it imprints, even with this less crazy mechanical pace it sets, yeah, kind of gave me, uh, as of uh, Shin Megami Tensei, actually. Really? I didn't yeah. actually make that connection. Yeah, not strictly speaking musically, but tonally speaking, the idea of printing essentially over our reality something that's a bit darker, a bit sinister, and a bit crazier, uh fits both soundtracks and I explicitly say uh, the Shin Megami Tensei soundtrack and not directly referencing Shoji Meguro's work because it's uh, I do mean the SMT uh, themes on top of the way the music interprets it okay I'm essentially it's like they came at the same starting point, at the same task to fulfill, mm -hmm. and we see two composers tackling it in very different, yet equally effective ways. Okay, you know what, I, I do see where you're coming from now. I do get that. Yeah. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from on the, um, on the starting point. There is definitely that sinisterness to his music, or at least in Shadow Hearts, which again fits with the setting because I mean, it's called Shadow Hearts. Yeah, despite its despite its um somewhat comedic tone at times, it really does kind of deal with a lot of dark stuff, and a lot of it's somewhere between psychological horror and flat out Lovecraftian. But I can make a serious argument that the worst bad guy in the entire series is just a plain old human politician. Sometimes you don't really need more. No, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. Like, that's also the case for a game I played recently. I'm not going to say which one, because that does reveal who the final boss is. But essentially, you go from... The boss before the last boss, which is uh, just some half-monster mountain of a man that uh, has some instant-kill moves in a game where if you main 
party member dies, uh, you instantly lose, uh, which wasn't the best decision. But yeah, besides that, that's uh, basically he acts three times as fast as any of you guys, etc. And then the actual final boss is just a dude with a gun and enough money to buy a lot of bodyguards. At least in Shadow Hearts, you don't actually fight the politician in question, largely because there's no way he would stand a chance against the supernatural powers of your allies. But... Yeah, same here. Well, you just said you did Except you him. actually do punch yeah. him. Yeah, in, in, in Shadow Hearts, the punching happens in a cutscene, and it's one of the most harrowing cutscenes in the entire series, to be perfectly honest with you. Huh. Interesting. It's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting series. I love it, but it's, it's definitely not your normal experience. Which is part of what makes it stand out so much. Um, that said, we've talked a lot about Shadow Hearts. He's done other stuff than Shadow Hearts. He did. So yeah, it turns out he did more games than just Shadow Hearts. Even though Shadow Hearts is what I'd consider maybe Magnum Opus is a bit pedantic, but basically his most uh, triumphant and relevant piece of composition. Right. Well, as we said, it was the one of the only ones where he was the lead. Like, it was entirely exactly. his baby as opposed to working with others or just being given one or two songs. Yeah. Which was the case for uh, Half Minute Hero 2. Which is basically a huge smorgasbord of composer ranging from Sakuraba to uh, Hiwata himself to Yasunori Mitsuda to some names I never heard before and there's a lot which kind of makes sense in a way because uh, the game is more about several very different stories with just a mechanical theme linking them together at first. Right. Uh, so the fact that it's a bit disjointed at parts uh, is acceptable. Given that you'd expect uh, Hiwata to go completely crazy, and I don't think he did. No. Um, in fact, when I heard this song, you were the one who actually introduced it to me for this episode. Yeah. And I found myself kind of going, this doesn't even sound like what I'm used to out of him, like, at all. Yeah. Um, the, the surface is, in fact, pretty standard. You could hear that, maybe not in your average JRPG, but it does give me kind of a fighting game music vibe. Me, I had a Dynasty Warriors vibe. I'm like, this feels like it belongs to Warriors Zelda T3. I, 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 I see, like... Yeah. Zhang Liao in my the... mind's eye bashing things with his axes, like... Yeah, no, that's fair, that's fair. Especially if you take the guitar into account for the first part. Yeah, that guitar is... Like, the, the combination of the guitar and the synth pads is right out of that, at least, yeah. um, soundscape. But if you pay attention to, like, the beat, the bass... Even the drum part that 
don't always start or end the uh, expected samples. You do see some little notes here and there that are like that remind you that uh, you are uh, who you're listening to. Yeah, he still has his style. Yes. Uh, but I think the most notable part of this track is how a lot of it is two tracks going back and forth. And I don't know how mechanically relevant that is, but there are two very different main melodies that are barely held together uh, by this uh, beat in the back. So it does have kind of this underlying experimentation over a main track that is almost screaming its conventionality. Right. Okay, maybe that's exaggerating a bit, but it ba basically I think he it's trying to experiment in non-obvious way. Yeah. Yeah, I can... It, it definitely is doing that. I'm not... Yeah, I'm... Mm. Honestly, I think I wonder about the most is uh, about the context, because I haven't played uh, this game, so I don't know what this path uh, has that would justify even more that sort of structure. I've only Structures. played the first one myself. Uh, I never yeah, got same. around to the second half-minute hero, so... Same, same, same. So, shall we move on then to... Another track of his, well... Sort not of. quite, actually. <laughs> sort the of bass track, track of isn't from him, but the arrangement is from him. Yes. So, once upon a time, there was a game called Rogue Galaxy. And this game comes from level 5 and is probably my favorite early level 5 game, with the caveat that I don't think I ever really loved any of level 5's games. The Dark Cloud you games were good. You never struck me as a big Nino Kuni guy. Yeah, Nino Kuni was kind of the turnaround point for them. Like, there's the pre. Nino Kuni and Inazuma 11 years and then there's the post and the two yes. companies really have the two companies the two eras really have very little in common with each other to be perfectly honest and then there's Leighton doing his thing in, in the corner and then there, I'm sorry I got distracted and, by an and airplane then, yeah. and then there's Leighton doing his thing in the corner yeah yeah <laughs> oh the Professor Leighton games yeah it's it's man level five is just not what they used to be for better or worse yes which kind of brings us back around to like okay the one thing i always thought was kind of a weakness of early level five especially was the music their soundtracks were often okay Yes. I couldn't remember a single song off the top of my head except a couple from Rogue Galaxy that were weirdly special. This song, Enormous Threat, was not one of them. It really wasn't. No. It's... I couldn't care about this song at the time. It was there. Like, 
yeah, it makes sense in context. It's yep. Big Space Battle. Okay. BigSpaceBattle.mp3. Thank you very much. I'm not even sure I would go that far. As far as I'm concerned, John Williams kind of owns that territory and has for 30 years. Yeah, no, fair. Okay, good point. Um, okay, big RPG space battles that I'm Fair, fair enough. There we go. And suddenly I have uh, Attack of the Silver Dragons from Final Fantasy IX in my head, which isn't exactly a space battle, but it kind of hits the same notes. Never mind, we're I'm moving yeah. on. <laughs> That's not the point. Like, yes, we get more it, Omatsu's that, great. We're not talking about him right now. More on that on the space battle episode of Music Arcade. I have things to talk about if we do one of those. Me too, including other themes that sound like space battles, but aren't. Yeah, Silver Dragons is definitely going on that list. Uh, this guy F4 is going on, the, on mine. God, I haven't played a Disgaea game in years. Enough! No, we're talking about music now! Stop! Okay. Um. Anyway. So yeah, Enormous Threat is a song that exists. It's fine. It fills <laughs> space. <laughs> it's inoffensive, entirely forgettable, it is part of the soundtrack, and that is the end of that. Yes. It, it's the Maroon 5 of video game music. It is a functional product without much soul in it. Harsh, but I can't see any fault in that argument. Then Hirota happened. Yes. Enormous Threat, as it, on its own, is entirely forgettable, and the only reason I remember it is because Yoshitaka Hirota turned in a banger of a remix for the Premium Arrange soundtrack. Is that something Level 5 still does? Because I haven't heard a Premium Arrange from them since Rogue Galaxy. I, I think that's something they stopped doing. I think I stopped playing, uh, paying attention to the Arrange soundtracks at around the third or fourth Valkyrie profile, uh, vocal arrange or whatever. That, okay, that's fair. <laughs> but I remember early, again, early level 5, compared to later level 5, early level 5 was largely, um, they did these arranged. Oh wait, no, what I'm saying, we know about arranged albums. The primals. Oh, well, yeah, but... You bought one recently. No, I didn't. Oh, didn't you? Not the primals one. I tend to not like those. No, I thought you did. I don't want to hear. You have me. I don't want to hear Escape ever again. I don't want to hear a live version. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about the live version. I'm talking the, about the arranged version, like Saints and Sinners. No, I didn't buy that. I've only bought the official soundtrack so far. Okay, my bad. Yep. <laughs> um, I'll buy orchestral arrangement albums. Like I'm probably going to get the two Aorsian Symphony albums. Yeah. But in terms of band arrangements, <laughs> never mind. Remixing. Um, enormous threat. Yeah, enormous threat. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Level 5 had this habit back in the day with the Dark Cloud games, with um, Rogue Galaxy, and maybe for White Knight Chronicles 1, there's a big question mark after that because I'm not entirely certain. They would do premium arrange albums where they'd bring in like big name composers to arrange uh, some of their music, and, you know, it, it's got all the hitters on there, your Mitsuda, your Shimomura, and yeah, Yoshitaka Hirota came in for Rogue Galaxy, and did and a remix of, um, Enormous Threat that blew the original out of the water so hard that it's literally the only reason I remember the original even exists. 
Essentially, the original is like a skeleton made entirely of a melody and nothing else. Yep. And then it was like a white canvas to paint upon. Yeah. And, uh, man, this song was special. Um, yeah. Fun fact about this song, uh, there was a free-to-play MMO I played ages ago, and the music in this game wasn't great. But this was my first time going, I wonder if I could replace the music. Um, figured out how to do that, and this song actually ended up in that soundtrack for me as I played that game. Oh, nice. <laughs> like, it was, it was a hack job, I didn't do any editing to it, I just changed yeah. the MP3 to an OGG, an OG, an OG Vorbis, and then just renamed it the song it was supposed to be in that game soundtrack and just threw it in the folder and replaced the music that was there but it worked pretty hey, well they would play yeah um so yeah this one this one it builds tension it really does this one has been living rent free in my brain for a good 15 years this one yeah no it's there. probably gonna live in mine for a while and i don't regret it yeah no there's no reason to regret it it's this very, is an excellent good. song yeah it really gives that much of uh climax energy with while also being so incredibly understated in many ways yeah because of the main melody it doesn't overload you which is great yeah yeah, I can see what you mean by understated. It's not as in-your-face as the Shadow Hearts soundtracks. Again, the obvious comparison, because that's kind of his, his primary thing. But it's still very much, you know... It, it's still very present, but yeah, no, it's, it's not yes. as... You know, it has tons of personality. Oh, yeah. But that includes some temperance. And I think it shows that it's Master of the Craft. It's not just throwing random stuff in uh, uh, in our music and seeing what sticks. Especially given that the music already existed and was sublime by this arrangement. Yeah, uh, as I said, this arrangement blows the original completely out of the water. Like, there's no comparison. It's not like some of the other arrangements that I've talked about in the past that have me reevaluate the original. No, the original is just yeah. as forgettable as it originally was. That has not changed at all. The only thing this exactly. song did was show us what could happen if it was actually, like, well done in the first place. Very well done in a very unique way. Yeah. Yeah, I totally would have preferred this version of the song uh, in the actual game. It might have made that might have made the game that much more interesting. I don't want to say the game isn't interesting. I feel like that's a total lie, but like also, yeah. I mean, it's it's a beatist game as much as it has some lovely elements. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot of missed opportunity with that game. Yes. Um, and I wish we could have uh, another game of this in this generation that is uh, JRPG Air Slash Space Pirate Adventures. Bring us a World Galaxy or a Skies of Arcadia, please. Yeah. Um. Oh God, Skies of Arcadia. There's a game I miss. 
Yeah, um... On the other hand, when he does want to be in your face and normal, he could do that too. Um... Didn't you say he did a license track at some point? Well, he did some license work for existing properties on the likes. Uh, he started on some Bomberman games. <laughs> and uh, I basically, since I'm not an expert in the guy when we picked the episode theme, uh, I looked into uh, his discography, what he worked on, and I was specifically looking for games that had existing musical universes to see what he can make of them, since we know from Enormous Thread that he can make... he can take some very basic materials and make something gold. Unfortunately, uh, scurrying through Donkey Kong Jungle Climber didn't really bring out something that was very much him, but I had more chance with uh, Senseiya Sanctuary Battle. Yeah. Which, um, which was one of the uh, PS3, I believe, uh, Senseiya fighting games, uh, which were definitely stiff. But the music was pretty decent. In particular, I mean, for a fair amount of this, uh, his style is pretty raised, but uh, when I noticed that for the first couple of tracks, I decided to go for what would I think fit his style the most, which is Vigo, uh, because of the mystical aspect of uh, the character that's linked to this place, uh, and yet his sense is of when you're fighting him, something ominous that's bigger than just the form you have in front of you and that's basically fighting you on a different plane entirely. And I landed correctly. There is really this huge sense of pressure building up when in this track. Uh, and it's funny because when you look at the character in golden armor with long flowing hair and everything, he looks like the good guy and yet that song, that song has some evil boss fight vibe to it. Yeah, um, I've got to be honest, uh, we've been saying this a lot. He, all of these yeah. songs are filled with tension, filled with pressure, filled with, yes. like, that's something he is excellent at. He is. Do you have any insight on how he achieved he achieves that feeling? I've got to be honest. I really don't like compositionally. You can it. I I like trying to break down the theory of it. It really just boils down to just I don't know. It it it's hard for me to actually say in words, which is kind of the beauty yeah, of music no, in general. The Main thing I can identify again, rem remembering that my musical background was uh, a year of music school twenty years ago. Uh, but um, the main thing I perceive from this track that could explain it is that you have at the same time a very not droning but sort of stable and repetitive 
baseline with on top of it uh, instruments that most of the time would be the main melody but here um way more discordant yeah essentially making a solid foundation you have to follow because the parts on the surface aren't easily followable and that creates an imbalance that i could see contributing to that again a controlled imbalance because he throws the line that's kind of what he does you see i'm yeah i i yeah i don't actually think anything he does is unbalanced i think that's even controlled not accurate i think that illusion occurs sometimes but i think we get this tension from him because everything he does is so intricately and tightly organized hmm. it almost feels I, I, I guess I compare it more to almost a military march, weirdly as that is. Because as wild as everything sounds, everything is very much in a deliberate place. It, 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 I, I get the exact opposite impression from this, to be honest. Interesting. Like, as you said, it's discordant, and that's true, but that's yes, deliberate. It it's dissonant, but that's deliberate. But there's so little repetition in what generally makes the main melody yeah and that maybe it's just that i it's tracks that i haven't listened to several times there's a lot of tracks like that that sound and to you completely different when you listen it to the first time and when you listen it to the 20th time in a row because now it lives in your head rent free for five years that is true that is true. Um, and that could be something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It, it's hard to say. I, I listen to this guy, at least the Shadow Hearts work and the arrangement of Enormous Threat a lot. Because um, they're yeah. kind of a fixture on my video game music playlist. But um, some of this other stuff is a little more out of the way, but Honestly, consider it, it. It's a very, it's a very thick production, but it's always struck me as very tight. Even as like completely crazy stuff from the Berserk themes from Shadow Hearts, always struck me as really just controlled in a really maniacal sort of way. There isn't one note or one instrument that feels out of place; just different. Yes. All it's not chaos. No, no, it's, it's not. something else. It's kind of like something that makes sense in retrospect only. Yeah, yeah, you have to really kind of listen to it and let it kind of percolate to really get that. And maybe that's part of what brings the unease of it. The fact that you need to look back and kind of make yourself vulnerable in a weird sort of way as far as music can make you vulnerable to... Okay. To get that. I can see that. All right. I get that. That makes sense. I know what that uh, reminds me of now that I've put it in these words. 
So, uh, I identified one of my abilities during a long and exhausting uh, night, uh, which was a succession of uh, War of Constitution movies and uh, anime of some sorts, and I think there was a Stephen King movie in there as well. It was a mess of an evening. Uh, also, I wasn't that familiar with one of the two other people that were there. Uh, and by the end of it, completely exhausted, uh, we watched uh, a certain anime movie, namely uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena, which is very surreal in many elements. And I've heard that a fair amount of people have been lost by this kind of surreal apparent deconstruction uh, that is the style of uh, one Ikuhara. Uh, but I ended up basically understanding half of it, eyes struggling to stay open, and then bursted into mad laughter at the end when things go went into complete nonsense as I just rolled with it without trying to understand anything and taking everything at face value. Which is a vulnerable position, but one that can let you appreciate things you wouldn't have necessarily appreciated otherwise. I think that's kind of that sort of second state that some of the, his works uh, would speak to people the most. To a lesser degree, of course. You don't need to actually put yourself into self-deprivation. In fact, don't. That's bad. Anyway, when I move back to more Shadow Hearts tracks... <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, no. You were so impassioned <laughs> in your statement that I'm trying to come up with any sort of response or rebuttal, and I'm just like, I'm just gonna let you do this. I don't, I don't know how to respond to any of that. Uh, yeah, um, again, we've been talking about comparing it to Shadow Hearts, and we've been talking about how precise everything is, and the final boss of From the New World, uh, Lady Tears Part 2 in this instance, because Part 1 was a cutscene, Part 2 is the actual final boss track, and then Part 3 hmm. is the berserk version of the track. But man, uh... Part 2 kind of brings all of that together about how deliberate he is, how chaotic he can sound while not being chaotic at all, the overall tension yes. of it, and also his ability to go outside of his comfort zone because in many ways this shares more in line with something like the extreme from Final Fantasy VIII than it does his normal work. This one <laughs> comes out with this really strong string section running the melody that he doesn't often do in his other tracks. Um with his usual bits of like, here's the strong bass line, here's the crazy melody, here's the instrumentation that's like weird and wonky. This one feels a lot more traditionally heroic than a lot of other Yes. Than a lot of other uh songs that he's done. It really does. It starts way more conventional sounding. It does. 
But again, that kind of goes to show that even in his weird wild series, he could do that sort of thing and not sound awful in doing so. Yes. Um, which I, for one, take as a wonderful example of his skill because, one, it's within his, his trademark series, which is pretty much entirely weird and wacky. But it's also much more traditional and it doesn't sound out of place at all. And in fact, maybe my favorite final boss of the three Shadow Hearts games, though the other two are quite good as well. Uh, hearing some parts of it back, what strikes me is that we were talking about the Half Minute Hero track, mm -hmm. how it sounded in many ways like two different tracks going back and forth from one to another. This one absolutely doesn't, even though it could, because there are some very intense parts and some very melodious parts, yeah. and they both sound like they belong to the exact same track. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons I kind of wanted to show this track off. It's like, it's so different from what we've been talking about, and yet still so much in line with what we've been talking about. It's, it's genuinely impressive in that regard, that he's able to yes. pull that sort of thing off. Which, I don't know, I, I, I don't know how to put it. Like, there's, as you said, there's so many parts to this thing, and the, um, the album version actually bothers me because it fades right into the Berserk version, Lady Tears 3. No. So it sounds like when you're just playing the track on its own or playing it on shuffle, it sounds like this track just stops. I see. Which is really annoying, and I, 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 I made sure to actually, for the playlist, find a version of the song where that doesn't happen. Yeah. And you could hear it loop it, back around, and you could hear it as you'd hear it during the final boss. It needs to stay uninterrupted. It, it does. cannot afford to lose any second of it. It does. It absolutely does. Yeah. Um, it's like when you're, you're packing for vacation. If you... the the package is structurally sound as long as you don't take out or put back in anything. You take one reminder that the TSA hates my hygiene kit and I always have to pull it out of my suitcase. <laughs> yeah, and then you have trouble putting it back in because yep. it was fine just the way it was. Yep. That's this song. That really is. The that TSA. really is the song. The TSA hates this song. <laughs> and there's our tagline for the episode. Oh yeah, I'm waiting that down as a title. The TSA <laughs> hates Hirota. <laughs> oh god. Um. Yeah. Uh, this one's really kind of magnificent in how, in how he managed to put it together the way he did. I, I, I'm always in awe of this one, because this song shouldn't work, and it does. And again, it goes to his versatility. Yes. Um, this is a very normal-sounding song at points, and he still makes it sound incredible. Yeah. And but I, I, by comparing it to The Extreme, which is my favorite track from any final boss of Final Fantasy games. Which is saying something. Y'all know how much I love yeah. that series, but the extreme is just so good. Also, I understand more hearing this track about how uh, 
I brought up, I think it was in the challenge that inspired this podcast, uh, a final boss song that had a discordant feeling and that you really didn't enjoy. And I see why, because that nails it way better than this other track that I really love. Yeah. And they take it very differently, and that one is just so good. Yeah. Um... There's there's ways to do discord and there's ways to do dissonance in music. I I forget the exact song you posted then, and we'll have to probably talk about this at a later date in sort of a like here's how to make weird things sound good. Um but uh yeah, that one in particular it didn't click with me and I remember it didn't click with me and I think it may have been because I was yeah, holding it kind of up to this and songs like it that can do weird, discordant, and uncomfortable while still sounding really melodic and having distinctive parts and being very, very, very strong. Um, I have linked it in the Discord so you can, if you want, uh, get it back in your ears. Uh, oh, yeah, this one. Yeah yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, um... When you have a gold standard that's this gold, it's really hard to look at similar, even at face value, tracks yeah, like, without an extremely critical eye. Consider this. I listened to this song compared to this other song from years before that I like, and say, yeah, no, that's why you'd like this one better. <laughs> it does say a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not sure... I like it better, but I simply accept that it's better constructed. Which, again, I, I think that's something we've talked about a few times now, and I think really we need to hammer home. His strength is in his construction. Yes. I don't think I've he, heard a single out-of-place note or instrument in any of these tracks, regardless of how much I like them. They say industrial. I don't I'll admit, I'm not sure what math rock sounds like, but it could be something like this. Um, having listened to enough math, math rock and math metal to be able to answer that, yeah. I would say yes. there's some surface similarities, but I get more of a Fear Factory vibe out of this guy than I do, say, Mashuga or, or Mushroom Head or one of those. I understood some of those words. Fair enough. I'm saying you're in the right ballpark, maybe, but not quite. Yes, yeah, the short version. basically, I, I fully expected to have at least some semblance of correctness, but only on an etymological point of view. Fair. Fair. Very fair. Um. So the next track is called Strain. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to transfer. I was about to transition you, too. Um. <laughs> so, uh, I happen to have picked uh, a couple of tracks, basically quickly browsing through uh, the uh, themes of Shadow Hearts uh, and leaving some for, for Galen to express uh, his obvious love for this composer. And it just so happens that uh, the main two tracks I picked are both Berserk themes. Yeah, um, I forget exactly which one this is. I think it's the Berserk theme for 
I want to say the Japan, the Japan normal battle music. That's guessing. That's entirely guessing. I don't remember exactly where this is. Unfortunately, the Berserk themes are ones that I don't really like because they are a lot more dissonant and discordant and they work great in the game, but they're just not something I enjoy listening to on its own. Yeah. Um, but I think it's telling that I picked those two without knowing what they really were. Uh, I guess in a lot of ways that's what I associate with him. Understandable. But even then, you can hear just how deliberately constructed it is if you're listening. Like, yes. you can hear the drum beat is meant to evoke a certain feeling. This, this song is very, very industrial. This song is very industrial, which is, yes. again, goes back to the Wikipedia article, and it goes back to, like, the quintessential nature of what he's good at. Um, and it's a lot of seemingly throwing a lot of noise at you. But you can clearly... Yeah, but at the same time, the main through line of this song is this very standard drum and bass theme. The... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that... Yeah, that's something that's fast pace, high intensity for the gameplay part, and that is enough to encore you uh, so that you can uh, get along with the subdued screams around, the small interruptions of the beats here and there, the, and also the more worrying parts of like this uh, long strings kind of seemingly taken right out of horror game themes. Yeah. Well, you could make a serious argument that Shadow Hearts is in part a horror game, so... Yes. Like, and I think he actually did a remix for Resident Evil 2 at one point as well. Yep. So it, He definitely did. Oh, and he was on the sound design team for Parasite Eve, let's not forget that. Yes, that too. So yeah, um... Just that. This guy definitely has a horror pedigree, that is for sure. And that's definitely evident here um yeah but again it's not as like wild and just hitting buttons randomly as you hear a lot of songs like this try to be as you said it has that like concrete base and it has that like if you're listening to the panning especially and i know that's something that most people's ears aren't trained to do but you can hear how each drumbeat kind of comes out of a different ear at specific points just to add to the unease, and that is an extremely deliberate choice. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And through all that, the song... I mean, there's this, uh, again, bass through, uh, through line, and you stay around that level, it doesn't really ever go into real highs, it doesn't sink into real lows either, it's constant pulse-pounding but not really escalating anything. There's not any time where there's a drop beat or something, and there's no real time when you could beat one. Right, which makes sense considering the context of Shadow Hearts of the Berserk system, 
One, you're not supposed to be berserk for very long. If you are, that character is probably in deep trouble. Uh, and two, the second you fix the berserk, the music changes back to the actual battle music. Exactly. Um, so it needs to have this sort of constant. Yeah, it needs to have that sort of constant. It needs to sound great in short bursts, which it does. And yeah, the only other way it could work uh, with a system like that would be if it was an alternate version of each song that just added a few elements, like, say, the intoner mode for Dragon Gat 3. Right, um, which I don't think would work nearly as well in a case like Shadow Hearts. Nearly, I get it. Damn it. <laughs> there was a tweet from Xbox that was like, uh, describe a game in as few words as possible, and the official near account answered, not far. Ah! <laughs> I hate! <laughs> but I can't escape it. <laughs> We're almost there. Fucking... Ah! Alright. I'm pretty much done with what I wanted to talk about for this track, yeah, so yeah, yeah. shall we move on to the last one? Well, yeah. Um. So, this track is probably my favorite track of any he's done at all. And that's saying something, because I've held Yoshitake Hirota in such ridiculously high regard over the years that you would think that picking a favorite track would be more difficult. But man, this is one of those songs that the second I heard it, I knew it was something special. And it kind of combines everything we've been talking about over the entire episode. It's yes. definitely industrial. Uh, it's too, uh, insanely chaotic, but also exceedingly deliberate. Yes. Uh, personally, so as I've said, I haven't really had uh, the Hirota name in any corner of my mind, really. I haven't played any Shadow Hearts uh, at all, pretty much. But uh, there was, I believe, for a role-playing forum... Uh, one of the GMs provided a set of soundtracks to fuel the game's OST, essentially, uh, which was very disparate and uh, and very mislabeled, which means that a lot of the, a lot of the tracks used I couldn't trace. But uh, there were two tracks from Shadow Hearts, and I still remember them to this day. That uh, role-playing from thing. That was in 2004, I believe. Oh. We are in 2021. That sounds about right. Let me double check real quick and see what that soundtrack came out. But yep, 2004. There it is. And one of the track indeed was this one. Yep. This song is called Hardcore to the Brain. Yes. It is the regular boss theme from the second half, the Japan half of Shadow Hearts 2, Shadow Hearts Covenant. And this song is freaking incredible. It's amazing. It really is. On its face, it's very simple. 
it's a ton of drums, sound effects, noises in this like crazy march with a little bit of harmony and a melody line that pops in after about a minute of just throwing drums at you. Yeah. Maybe it's just boom 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 boom. It just goes. Yeah. And I actually dissected this song back in college. I broke it down into every component part. And that drum track actually changes like in really cool, intricate ways the way it syncopates oh. over the course of this thing. Okay, so let me let me tell you about this. Once upon a time, Please I was do. in a class in college for field recording. And we were challenged to go out into the world, record a bunch of sound, uh, sound effects, and make a song out of it. No. I am a terrible composer. I can't compose worth a damn. But I knew if I was going to make something sound effectsy, this song came to mind more or less immediately. So yeah, I that ran makes sense. around and I got like a ferry boat engine and I got like <laughs> knocking on a light pole and I got like I used a contact mic to get a whistle, like a referee's whistle. I had a mic sitting on the device as the ref was blowing into it. Ah, uh, beautiful. And I spent about a week recreating this song with nothing but sound effects. Um, and coming out of it, it actually sounded fairly disturbingly like the original. <laughs> which just goes to show just how crazy and how impressive this man's sound design chops are, because I'm pretty sure most of the drums in the original version of the track aren't even drums. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was crap like what I did. I know for sure there's a whistle in there. I didn't grab that oh, whistle yeah. out of nothingness. I'm like, I need a whistle sound. I should just grab a whistle. It was identical. It was. It, there's a no, whistle like, in this track. You were talking about it when I was re-listening to it. I heard the whistle. It, you don't hear the whistle if you don't pay attention. Right, but, but it's the definitely whistle is in there. there. Yeah. It's not there for all the time, but it just goes... Yep. But the drums are so present that you don't notice a whistle. Yeah. But it just adds to this giant, incredible exactly. soundscape that he created off of this song. It builds the structure. It's... The flourishes. Yeah. It, it's, it, it, it's so intricate. It's so actually, intricate. Actually, I oppose the two, but that's not right. It's more of a case of flourishes being so numerous and so dense that they become structural. Yeah. Which is pretty much how Baroque works as an art movement. <laughs> Well, not really as a classical music movement, because I play Baroque period music a lot, but as an art, as, yes. a, as a visual art, as a visual art, yes. yes. More for, for things like cathedral designs and the like. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's some sort of futuristic sounds and industrial sounds infesting a Baroque base. Yes. You know what? Yes. Um, I love it. It's so good. It's so impressive. Um, 
just what he was able to accomplish with this song. Yeah. And in the end, whenever I think of Hirota, despite all of his other incredible work, this is the song that kind of comes to mind as the, like, you were talking magnum opus. I can't think of many other songs that I can look at from any other composer and go, yes, this is absolutely the best thing he's ever done and probably the best thing he will ever do. Like, everyone else, there's an argument. Yes. With this guy, there's a shining example of as close to perfection as you can really get in music. And that's saying something for someone that has such a calculated and constructed style. Yeah. Well, it's not like this isn't calculated and constructed. It's just it is super densely calculated and constructed. It's yeah. It's... And this time, he even found some place and or made some place to make a drop beat. Yeah. Yeah. Except that the beat lasts for the three quarters of the song. <laughs> yeah, when it actually like ducks out and you just have the snare, the strings, and the melody pads. And yeah. then it pounds back in with the drums all over again. Man, it just comes out of nowhere and hits you. Like, th this song just hits so hard on so many levels. And the more you hear it, the more you try to pay attention to it, the better it sounds. Yeah. The simple truth is, there's nothing like this. I can't think of there a isn't. single other song out there that's like this. And I cannot think of a single other composer that could make this. Honestly, no. And I, I, I guess that's the point of the episode. Like, yeah. this guy needs to do more full soundtracks again. Like, I don't know how to make that happen, but like... Why hasn't more people hired this guy? Listen to what he's capable of. Yeah, and if you do, maybe also let him be crazy. Uh, I don't know any other way to be. Like, yeah. Yeah, let him I do mean, his thing. Yeah, don't let him make Donkey Kong music. Was it that bad? I didn't listen to that one. You didn't post it Oh no, it. Oh no, it wasn't bad or anything. It was just Donkey Kong music. Fair enough. I don't know, I mean, you get a guy, like, David Wise is another one of those guys we could probably do an episode about, but, like... Yeah. But David Wise couldn't make that. No, no, he really couldn't. <laughs> he, he's got <laughs> his own style, does, but he could... Uh, again, I don't know anyone else does, who could he, have. He did very well. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I mean, judging by what we've heard, maybe if we went the other direction and Hirota was hired to do Donkey Kong David Wise style music, he probably could pull it off pretty pretty succinctly. Yeah. He can walk on command. Yeah. Uh, on command. He just shouldn't. He shouldn't. Yeah, no, let him because, do his thing, because he will... Yeah. He is he is capable of some seriously next-level stuff. Exactly. And I really, really hope he gets a chance to do more. Uh, unfortunately, the tale of Same. Shadow Hearts ends very sadly. They became kind of the prototypical Konami, which is to say they stopped making video games and started making slot machines. Yep. And, uh, a ruse is kind of gone as a result. Um, which is a shame. I really it hope is. that this guy gets to do more than just one or two songs on a Compile Heart soundtrack. He deserves to do more. Clearly, he he's really capable does. of it. And if there's any 
developers, any perspective people out there who want to hire a guy like this, who want to do something wild, I don't know how you would go about this, but give him a shot. I would love to hear more from this guy. He definitely deserves more love. He deserves more respect from the video game music community at large. I didn't have his name on my radar before we did the research for this episode. And uh, you put him along with several other choices. All no doubt good. Yeah. But I'm very glad I landed randomly pretty much on this one. Yeah. Um... I... Looking into him more, that's just something that I really appreciated looking into. And I hope we gave our viewers uh, similar positive feelings talking about him and putting him a little bit more on the limelight he so obviously deserves. Very, very much so. Um, This guy is a real master. Thank you for bringing him to my attention. Thank you for picking him out of the hat that I presented you. This guy's real wild. I love his work. I hope y'all do too. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will be back next time for more Music Arcade. Y'all have yourselves a good night. See ya.